I'm preparing for a tall, lanky, ugly cellpaw. Well, ladies and gentlemen, dare I say it? Borderline Offensive, episode number four. It will not be for the faint of heart. Unfortunately, we've got a somewhat special guest here with us today, as I mentioned earlier. I want to wait till the last second to actually say his name. I prefer not to, to be quite honest. But just as my good friend Conor McGregor said in this intro, I really didn't have to prepare for this tall, lanky, ugly Southpaw. Because he really doesn't bring much to the table or the argument or to life itself, as probably many of you know. But I'm not going to sit here and take all kinds of shots at him without him having an opportunity to respond. Let's just, let's just get right to it. Ladies and gentlemen, it's not my honor to welcome to the show my arch nemesis, my social media enemy Chris Hauser to the show what's up how'd you like I, that I have to say I'm already going to assume my normal position in life in correcting you as I'm not a southpaw you don't consider yourself a southpaw no not naturally anyways ah, circumstance no. circumstance may have <laughs> force my hand a little bit in that direction, but I'm not, a, I've not been a Southpaw my entire life. So the, uh, moniker is wrong already. So I'm, that's my correction. Number one of you today. I'm sure there'll be many more. Interesting that you chose the word Southpaw out of those other descriptors to pick on first. You, so you're, you're okay with the words lanky and ugly. Well, lanky, that, that's not really a, a, a bad or negative description of me because it's fairly accurate, you know, although muscular probably would be a little more accurate, <laughs> but, and ugly certainly is in the eye of the beholder. And last time I <laughs> talked to your lovely wife, Cindy, she told me I was beautiful. <laughs> well, let's, since you went there, I can dispute that and say that I have, knowledge that you've never spoken with my wife so you again correction number two she and i have regular text <laughs> conversations about you primarily because she asks for direction and how to manage you and on occasion we have spoken on the phone and we have lovely conversations because she's a great woman and a very smart beautiful and intelligent lady and she sometimes seeks my counsel well, if there is potentially any grain of truth to that, I'm going to take a page from one of the greatest actors of our generation, Paul Giamatti, and say, 
You have soiled the sanctity of my home. <laughs> yes, he, he did say that line in one of the great movies of all time. <laughs> but I stand by what I said. <laughs> well, I'll take, that, I'll take that up with her later, of course. And we will get to the bottom of that. But I do, I do, again, not to belabor this, I do find it interesting that what you picked out of that first was the term Southpaw versus all the other descriptors. I think that's just your way of agreeing with me. No, I was utilizing my analytical mind and the order of operations. That was the first word I heard was Southpaw. So I figured I would correct you on that one first and then make my various corrections of all the other things that you miss speak mistruths of later on. Well, speaking of mistruths, let's get right to, as far as I'm concerned, on the top of my list. I don't know, did you have a chance to listen to last week's episode with Granny Games? I did. Did you recognize the voice or the name of the contestant on Granny Games? Unfortunately, I was able to identify that name and voice. So let's take this one step at a time. All right. I am not proud. You know, I, my kids know I, I don't hide anything. They can learn from the positives and the negatives of my experiences and choices. And let's be honest. I mean, the, the, the right side of the page with the negatives usually far outweighs the, the positive things that I've chosen and, and done. Uh, yes. But, you know, my kids are aware of, of my academic challenges or interest in school, but Keith led off in that discussion claiming that he actually got a hundred percent on a test or a paper. Do you think there's any credibility to that claim? Less than zero. <laughs> I had multiple classes with Keith, also known as bull in our circles. Yes. Yes. Um, and let's just say he wasn't the most academically inclined student. And and since you since you actually shared that, I think it's I think it's fair to say that that aside from bearing a striking resemblance to the character Bull on that fantastic show, the '80s Night Court, I think yep. I think he got that name because he is so full of Bull and seems to be more full of Bull than I ever seem to remember. If he thought that we would believe for one second that he actually got 100% on any paper or test. Is that well, fair? knowing Bull for as long as I have, he is one of the premier fabricators <laughs> I've ever met. And as an aside, are you aware of how he got the nickname Bull? Now, go ahead and share. I, th I actually think I do, but, but go ahead and remind me or share that with our audience. It was our freshman year of high school, and... One night he went to sleep and his sister went into his bedroom and while he was sleeping, she stuck a suction cup onto his forehead and he did not wake up. So it was on there all night. So he came to school the next day and had a humongous red circle on his forehead. And I immediately gave him the moniker bullseye. And shortly thereafter, it kind of got shortened to bull. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever heard that story, to be honest. Yep. That, unlike many things you and he say, is 100% fact. <laughs> so so you're, you're here to say that the origin of the name Bull, uh, uh, that that, yeah, yeah. that is indeed the origin. 
That is the absolute origin. It's factual. Fact. Yes. And there's no chance that he's going to dispute that. None. It is 100 percent truth. All right. All right. Yeah. Like I said, I I don't know that I've that that I've heard that that story. I've just always thought he looked like the big ugly guy from from Night Court. No, nothing to do with Bull (laughs) Shannon from Night Court. Nothing. Oh, that's great. So getting back to some of the statements that were made last week, uh, that was just one false claim. So I went on to, to, to praise him about going three for three. And from my recollection, athletically, I didn't feel that there was another time in his life that he went three for three in anything. And he was very, very quick to correct me. Sounded somewhat offended to be honest and said that he was three or three from the field in a, in the Christmas tournament didn't mention the team that he was playing against, by the way. Uh, you know, it could only be a couple that, that we played at that time, uh, during that weekend tournament and claimed that he went three for three from the field with like 28 seconds left in the half in the first half and was on fire so much that they, didn't want to give him or let him get the ball the second half and the eight seconds that he played at the end of the game. <laughs> yeah, I I absolutely remember that game. We were playing Camp Hill, who back mm-hmm. then was probably the worst team in the area. They were 0-24 that year, if I recall correctly. And I don't recall whether he got his one-in-a-million streak at the end of the first half or the end of the second half. But he did knock down three shots in a row, including a deep one, <laughs> late in his stretch of play. That is a true story. It is, well, I, I thought it sounded very odd. You know, if I were during practice or a game to see him anywhere near the three-point line, I would wonder what he's doing out there. Yeah, if he was hurt. Yeah, he, he, couldn't, he couldn't shoot. And I'm going to jump in to something else he claims that he – defeated me in a shooting contest and won the belt as we used to tell it. And that is another, he did. He did say that. That's another bull lie. (laughs) He He never beat me in any shooting contest. And I remember we would oftentimes back in those days go to the YMCA. Yep. And we would lift weights there, you know, and, and play basketball there. And, we would go in the gym and shoot and we would have some kind of a shooting competition all the time. And we would have, we would compete for what we termed the belt yep. to, to win the day. And I always won, of course, he because was, you know, he, he it was, was bull. he was defiant in saying that he won and still retains the belt. Well, I recall one time, I believe it was the last time we were there. It was one of the last times anyways. And there was a guy in there in the old days, a few guys who might be listening to this show, one of the very few, um, will remember him. We referred to him as Big Chest Man. And he would lift. He was an older guy, probably around our age now. And he always wore all black. And he worked out. And we called him that because he would be lifting – spotting i'm sorry he would be spotting someone and on bench press and he would start muttering things like come on come on come on come on big chest big chest 
And we, we laughed hysterically all the time about this guy doing that. So we referred to him as Big Chess Man. Do I know this guy? I don't think you would know him. No? Okay. I wondered. There's a I don't, think, I don't know his real name. There's a couple that came to mind. Okay. And, and not, to, not to digress here, but you mentioned going to the YMCA to lift weights. Yes. I do recall a few of you doing that. Why not, why not work out and lift weights at the uh, high school gym like I did? <laughs> well, back in those days... The Cedar Cliff weight room uh-huh. was tiny, and actually it's the room that the weight room was in back in our day is now the basketball equipment closet. <laughs> There's enough room to store the equipment in that room? <laughs> uh, barely. They had to use a lot, a lot of shelving. Yeah. But that old machine you referred to, I'm, as I'm sure you recall, was a, a universal... <laughs> Thing with a bench press, a lap pull down, I think a leg press, and a cable for like cable push downs, and that was it. I know, I know, that, I know. Times are different right now. You know, it's much different than the than the late mid to late eighties, right? But right. wouldn't you wouldn't you think that a quad A competitive competitive quad A school would would be able to provide a little more than a three-station Nautilus rack for their athletes. Yeah, you would think. Uh, I think our last year of high school, they did have a free weight room downstairs in the fo- what is the football locker room, a very small corner of it. And if I recall correctly, it had two benches, a squat rack, and a preacher curl rack or or stand. That was it. So it wasn't much better even when they got into the big leagues of free weights. Let me put this in perspective for those of you unfamiliar with Cedar Cliff High School, as I have fans all across the globe, not just the United States. So Cedar Cliff High School, my, I believe my freshman year, our freshman year in high school, the state did not have a state football championship game or playoffs. So the furthest you could go was districts. Uh, which was about seven to eight, maybe counties. Is that fair? How many counties? Yeah, that sounds about right. Okay. So, so our freshman year, we our football team beat, I believe, it was Cumberland Valley, if I'm not mistaken, for the was district. that the two the two zero game at Hershey? Yes, yes, that's right. The two zero hmm. game, offensive right. offensive battle. Uh, so again, to put this in perspective, we won the district championship. And then the next year, our sophomore year, we lost the state championship game to Pittsburgh Central Catholic at Beaver Stadium. Do you recall that? Yes, that was so, the first year they held state correct. football tournament. Yes. So, so we're, as I said, a competitive quad A program. You know, you you can't do much better than than winning your district championship and then. Almost, you know, competing, it was a nail-biter. Uh, I think it was 7-6, was it not? Something really well, close in the state championship. I want to say it was 14-7, maybe? Oh, that's right. They did. It was one score. I was thinking one or two points. But nonetheless, so, Chris, do you think, do you think, it, and, and no disrespect to the coaches, uh, Bob Craig, former coach, wrestling, football, everything, you know, do you think that if they just even had one more universal machine to share with the athletes, that that might have catapulted us 
up and beyond and be able to beat Central Catholic in that state championship game? It's certainly a possibility. I mean, Coach Craig is a legend. Yep. But maybe one more universal, maybe even tossing a Bowflex, and they they might have ended up winning the whole thing. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I agree. All right. So is there anything else that we want to take up with Bull or Keith? Cawthon? Oh, yes. As I was mentioning before, we talked about Big Chest Man. Well, he was in the gym one time towards the end of our tenure going to the Y, and he watched Bull and I always shooting together and having our contests. And, of course, we were talking trash back and forth the whole time. And after I beat him that last time, it was like the 78th time in a row, Big Chestman says, does he ever win? <laughs> My response was simple. No. <laughs> and before we move on, I actually had a question uh, from earlier. When we when we talked about the game that, that he recalled going three for three, um, were you out that game or were you were you in that at that time? Um, no, you see, Keith Robull only played when the margin of the scoring margin was either was very wide in one direction or the other. Yep, yep. And Camp Hill, like I mentioned, was probably the worst team in the mid pen back in those days. They were winless for mm-hmm. a year or two in a row. And we were up like 98 to 50 or something. So that's when Bull got his opportunity to play. Do you think he could have gone in a little bit earlier? Let's say when you guys were up like 90 to 58. Do you think that extra eight points made a difference? Well, he could have. But I think the coach back then was afraid that Bull would get a big head if he started raining raining jumpers on Camp Hill, and then he would cause a problem demanding more playing time. So he wanted to keep a tight leash on Bull because he was kind of a loose cannon. And I guess I wondered if you were in the game at that time or not, because it's somewhat odd that someone else would have the ability to actually take one shot, let alone three shots, uh, that they would get the ball from you and be have an opportunity to actually shoot. Well... I only shot when I had the ball. So so I'm not sure what, what you're trying to say other than some weak, disparaging point you're trying, trying to make. But I was on the bench at that point in time. Uh-huh. I had already dropped my 30, so I was, I was enjoying a cool water next to Dave Yuka on the bench while we watched Bull do his thing. I, I see, I see. Okay. All right. That's fair enough. That's fair enough. You know, we know quite a few others that, that we've played with uh, over the years. And um, I think they may they may side with me or agree with me that uh, once you touch the ball, they could pretty much just, we could all run back to the other end of the court because no one else was going to get the ball after that. that that's pretty factual. I, I guess you could, you could have turned me a black hole maybe back in those days. <laughs> Okay. All right. I'd ice my I'd ice my arm down after every game, but but you know it was either me or was either me do that or or uh, or Bull as a as another option. And our coach, for whatever reason, decided that would be the better option to do that. (laughs) Do Do you know before we move on to to some other topics and really start rolling up the sleeves here? did you know? Do you know I'm? I've got a back problem. 
I've got a back issue. You got a back issue and a front issue. <laughs> well, well, let's forget about the front issue for a moment. But yeah, I mean, I've I've had back issues pretty much since I was a teenager when I found out. It got progressively worse, and I was kind of trying to I was trying to think back to to when I first started developing these issues with my back, and interestingly enough, I was able to identify that it happened right at the same time that Coach White recruited Dave and I to come save your team and and carry the weight and the burden of of the team on our backs in Cumberland, Maryland. Do you remember that tournament when we were recruited to come help your LeMoyne team? I will never forget that tournament. You know, the Cumberland, Maryland tournament was one of the greatest athletic endeavors in the history of the West Shore School District. Okay, yeah. Okay, so you're agreeing with me that that uh, it was very wise of Coach White to come and and recruit Dave and I to come save that save that team and give you a fighting chance to compete. Of course, because you know it was a long tournament, and we we drove back and forth. Yep, it must was. have been six seven times. You know, and Dave was there and he helped out a lot inside, gave us some more size. You know, and with all the running up and down the court we had. I was thirsty and I needed water and and I know it was hard on your back going back and forth, filling up those bottles at the water fountain, but, and I'm sorry that, you know, your back is still bothering you from all those, you know, hydration trips you had to make, but you, you definitely did your part and you were very integral to the success of our team, making it to the championship by the fact that you were able to supply Gordy and Todd and Nestor and I with water. <laughs> well, whether whether it's full of lies or not, uh, I, I appreciate you finally acknowledging my contributions to that team. Well, you were integral. We definitely would not have advanced that far without the hydration he provided. <laughs> oh, so all right. So let's mo- let's move on and and let's get into let's get into the the bigger part of our our interactions not just in the fall, but pretty much 24-7, 365 days a year. We don't seem to see eye-to-eye when it comes to college football, do we? Well, no, because I am a well-educated and versed fan of the game, and you are a clueless sheep. (laughs) Okay, all right. That's kind of starting off the way I thought it might. So... We we just talked about high school and growing up in central Pennsylvania, Cedar Cliff. I mean, central Pennsylvania breeds Penn State fans. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. It's near a religion here. Cedar Cliff is, uh, sometimes I compared it, Cedar Cliff was a high school version of Penn State. Is that fair? I would say that's fair. Toughness, which I give credit for. Look, I, I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not just going to throw some, some jabs out or some 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 falsehoods that I don't believe in. I mean, the toughness, the grit, kind of blue three, yeah, three mean, yards in a cloud of dust philosophy. Yes, yes. Yeah, Syracuse is a you know it's always been a tough blue collar, yep. grinded out sort of school that won games on toughness mm-hmm. and smarts, which is probably why you left. <laughs> Let's not bring other schools and people into this. Let's stay focused on the on the point at hand. 
We can discuss oh, some it. of those. We can discuss some of those things later. Uh, I, I still sense and hear the bitterness and anger and frustration that's built up over all these years because I transferred legally to a neighboring school and was part of some some great seasons and some success at at Redland High School. So. I mean, it's actually good that you're letting all that out because it's not good. We all know that when you keep these things all bottled up. So, you know, again, it's, it's good that you shared that. But, uh, you know, I would I would disagree that uh, my life's circumstances changed, which is why I was forced to transfer to Redland High School, not because of the culture at Cedar Cliff. Sure. And and actually, I I did get over it pretty quickly. I mean. I know I was primarily a basketball player in high school, but I was able and we were able to overcome the loss of a guy who averaged 2.6 points a game on the freshman team as a freshman, um, which, is what you, which is what you did. Um, yeah, we were able to overcome lo- losing that asset and move forward. <laughs> and it, something else came to mind here that's come up in other conversations I want to share with the audience uh, the thousands in attendance, some that know us, some that don't, some that see my daily, seems like daily dominance of you on social media. And they should know that, that this relationship is, is extremely tenured, uh, not just in, by terms of youth sports and standards, but when we were both freshmen, we played, we played, what was it? A JV baseball. I think at the time, yeah, it was JV yes. and varsity. So you you were still playing baseball at that time, I think, correct? Correct. And I think that not as a matter of friendship or respect, which there's none here, um, but but as a matter of uh, competition and dominance of one over the other, we quite frequently warmed up together, did we not, before practice? Uh, yes, yes, we did. And... And not just warming up, it was a matter of kind of a game that we played to see who was the more accurate thrower. Yes, and as I recall, I had to chase a lot of balls <laughs> that you threw over my head, which is hard because I'm 6'6", six, six. and I, did, I pulled a muscle in my back one time having to move left, I remember, trying to spear a ball that you spiked. So, yes, but... but I guess you could have called it a competition or a game we played about who was the most accurate thrower back in 1988. And that, yeah. So I, I, I'm not sure if Bull jumped on the phone and, and that's who I'm talking to, or if you're just trying to follow in his footsteps with your accuracy or lack thereof of, of facts. But I constantly, continuously hit the middle of your chest every time. I mean, if you had to move it to a shoulder, that was an exaggeration, let alone over your head or in the ground or left and right. I mean, I, I was, quite frankly, the most accurate thrower I, I, that I've ever met. And your dad, and I've met your dad. Your dad played professional baseball. He's a pitcher. Correct. Yes. So the, me saying that I'm the most accurate thrower, that's, that's a pretty, that's, that's high praise, wouldn't you say? Even if I'm bestowing it upon myself, well, that's that is lofty delusion. But at the same time, 
you have to understand, I'm sure people do, it's pretty easy to hit the general area of a target when your max velocity is about 37 miles an hour. <laughs> there were there were no speed guns at practice. There were no speed guns. I mean, I'm not going to exaggerate my velocity by all means, but I will say that I've easily topped 40, 45 miles an hour. So to say it was 37 is just a bold-faced lie. Yes, I... I'll grant you, you probably could have broken a plate of glass if you hit, were able to hit it. At a carnival? You're talking about a festival game? Carnival? Sure, anytime. Or yeah. Anytime, yes. Yeah. yeah. So let's get back Let's get back to the, to, to the matter at hand, football, college football. And is it fair? I mean, I, I, I know you've probably not met many people. Well, you, you have. I think there's plenty more where I came from. Is it fair to say that when you grow up in central Pennsylvania – especially Cedar Cliff area that you either love Penn state or you hate Penn state. It could be. Yeah, that's, that's a pretty, that's a pretty safe assumption. That's yeah. a pretty safe statement. Cause Penn state is pretty much forced down your throat. Okay. In this area. Okay. So yep. most people, I would say the majority are big fans in this area. And that, but there's always a small handful who are not smart enough to, Hop on the 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 bandwagon, or could you say that don't drink the Kool Aid? Is that fair? The blue Kool Aid. I'm sorry, I don't. I'm not sure what you're trying to say with that. <laughs> what, what I'm trying to say is that few few college football fans like myself from that area are woke. We're not we're not in a zombie trance that that has been created because we've consumed all of this blue and white we are kool-aid which you stole from other schools by the way trying to stake a claim in the we are chant well first of all you know you are unfortunately allowed wokeness to permeate your entire life but to the second point you know penn state may not have been the original we are ah but okay. they are an admission they are the recognized universal and only we are that is nationally publicized nationally known nationally talked about have you been to other division one football stadiums for a game i have N name me a name a couple just off the top of your head i've been to alabama okay i've been to virginia i've been to maryland so I've been to a couple. And have you and have you heard those fans chanting "We are" in the stadium? No, never. Only Penn State. Well, you know the examples that you gave. Did wait? Did you say that you've traveled? You've seen an Alabama game? Yes. In Alabama, Tuscaloosa. Yes, in Tuscaloosa. I was there when Penn State played them. Were they were ten they... years ago? Ten years ago, roughly, maybe a little more. Were they playing? I was going to ask if they were playing the Citadel or if that was an away game. No, no, the Citadel they would be a home game. They don't play the Citadel away. No, nope, nope. Only, only on the road. <laughs> we may or may not know someone that asked the question only a couple years ago whether the Alabama Citadel game was at home or away. <laughs> yes, uh, Do you that, remember that? that person uh, to. to Describe that person as mentally deficient would be nice. 
Okay, so let's get back to this whole college football Penn State thing. Now you're you're fully aware of the of of the team that I support and root for, right? I'm aware of them as one would be aware of gum stuck to the bottom of a shoe. <laughs> so you're calling Alabama aside and their dominance of college football in the last 15 to 20 years. You're calling you're 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 equating the college football team who really has been the face of college football since the early 1900s and one of the winningest programs not just in national championships but an actual record equivalent to gum on the bottom of someone's shoe well let me ask you this how many podcast listeners are you do you have today i know there's only about seven but if any of them were born after the mid 80s have they ever seen notre dame win a championship no in no. their lifetime no but if, is that no, the okay. measure okay. is that the measure so okay it, so it, so so i know you as a notre dame sniffer um like to point to national championships won during the world war ii era well, I like to have a more modern, you know, at least modern day notion of the top teams in college football. And Notre Dame has not won a national championship in, what, three decades? So, so it's not relevance is really is not really there anymore for them. So let me ask you this. Does going undefeated, making it to the college football playoff does not once but but twice if you will playing for a national championship not too many years ago does that not that doesn't count for anything well again in in the woke circles that you might congregate in that is you know low-hanging fruit but when you look below the surface at the manner in which those "Quote unquote undefeated records were attained, and you look at the the juggernaut list of teams that were defeated in route to that undefeated record. You quickly realize that it was tainted. So, are you here to say that the NCAA methodology for ranking teams and creating the college football playoff system is flawed? Well, of course, it's flawed. It's the best we have right now." But unfortunately, they reward teams like, say, Notre Dame for playing cupcakes and not joining a conference that is geographically in their own backyard because they know they can't win in that conference. Would, you, would it be fair to say that there were more, there have been more national championship teams in the ACC? over the last, let's say, 12 years than the Big Ten? For the schools that are full-fledged members of the ACC, uh, they should hang their hat on that because yep. they've earned it. Yep. But Well, one school has earned it. So have See, teams that, teams that, that join the ACC and somehow avoid playing the good teams in that conference every year in their four-game mini-conference alignment – it just doesn't hold any water as being 
any sort of accomplishment. I mean, beating Duke and NC State in Boston College doesn't really put one in the upper tier of college football. Now, if if a team like Notre Dame, you know, decided to play in their own backyard geographically like they should, then they could test themselves in the best conference, best division in college football, the Big Ten East, and they could fa- they could face off against Penn State and Ohio State and Michigan every year. And really test their metal there. But you do realize but they chose the easy way out, and they're playing the sisters of the poor in what is widely regarded as the weakest power co- power five conference in the land. But when we look at this on paper, and someone says, "Hey, Notre Dame went from playing what three to four Big Ten teams every season, right? They went from playing those teams to playing." ACC teams and the ACC having produced the national, you know, how many national championships? Three, I want to say three time Florida state and Clemson in the last 10 years or so. So you're, you're suggesting that Lee, you know, not playing a big 10 schedule and leaving and going to play in the conference where the national future national champions play that that is a move of a coward? I would think that most people understand that that's brave and smart for them to do because, hey, that's where the national championships are bred, other than the SEC, of course. They're in a league of their own. Well, again, maybe, again, on the surface, if you're looking at it that way, you might say that. But if you look a little closer, and then you notice, wait a minute, Notre Dame somehow definitely avoided playing those national championship caliber teams every year that those teams were good. And that's awfully coincidental that do, they played Duke every year, yet somehow avoid Clemson. Do you know do you know that Notre Dame plays Clemson this year? I am aware. And they've for either the first time, they've for the either, first time, yeah. I believe, and I, I could I could stand corrected, but I believe they've either played Clemson or Florida State or both in any and every season since they've signed that ACC contract. And and Notre Dame doesn't control whether Clemson or Florida State or Duke has an up year or a down year. You know, there so, could be a time when Florida State was great and the next year they're down. So, I mean, we you know, Notre Dame can't control that. I don't recall Notre Dame playing Clemson last year or the previous year. And Florida State has become Rutgers over the past few years. So, of course, they ended up playing Florida State because Florida State was known to be lousy now. But do you recall when Notre Dame played Florida State? I can't remember the year, but it was a year that they went on to win the national championship. When Notre Dame ultimately actually beat Florida State, except for that weak, stupid, ridiculous, insulting pass interference call that some ref decided to insert himself into the game. Uh I'm sorry. I just, yeah, sorry. I had a moment there. But do you well, recall that when Notre Dame won that I, game? I do. I do recall that game, and and it was a you know a good competitive game. You know, there was a game where Florida State played down to level of competition. It happens to young kids. The last play of the game, which you mentioned, was a clear 
took play, which is illegal <laughs> and called all the time. And it was the proper call. And and if the if the Notre Dame culture of cheating wasn't so prevalent, they would have maybe called a play that didn't involve some sort of malicious you know, intent to deceive and, and get one over on the opponent, they might have won. But sometimes cheaters never prosper. It's clear that it just depends on the lens through which we are viewing it. I view it through the lens of truth and just, and you are viewing it through some skewed lens of hate. Now, actually, I disagree. I view it as a purely objective college football fan you view it as a Notre Dame sheep. <laughs> well, we could probably talk for hours about this whole Notre Dame Penn State thing, but let me let me actually change gears. Still within college football. It's something I've been thinking about here a little a little bit more lately. What is your position? Not that I respect it or really care, but just, you know, for the sake of the podcast and filling some time for our audience. Uh, what is your position on college football? And really, I guess it would probably extend to other sports, but, you know, let's be honest. College football is, I believe, the, the, the highest revenue generating sport in college athletics. There could be bigger sports like basketball at other schools, but across the board, is it fair to say that college football generates more revenue than any other college sport? Yeah, I would say that's accurate. Yep. I would guess anyways. So what do you, you know, and I'm, 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 I'm delving into this, uh, intentionally. Uh, what do you say to the people that, that, that claim that college football players should be paid for what they do? I am more old school in my thinking, and I don't think college athletes should be paid. I think, you know, they're paid via scholarship, mm-hmm. uh, you know, food, room, room and board, everything. I don't, I don't think, while it, while it is certainly grueling, I know you wouldn't understand because you never played a college sport, um, but I can tell you that it takes a lot of time, takes a lot of energy, but at the end of the day, you know, the school is providing a lot of money towards, you know, the performance and success of their student athletes. So I don't think they should be paid while they're mm-hmm. amateurs. I believe in the amateur rule. Yep. Um, but once a player, you know, graduates or exhausts his eligibility or leaves school, if, this, he was a type of player that whose jerseys are in demand or that sort of thing, or his likeness is in demand. At that point in time, I, I, I think he warrants compensation for his name or jersey or face or what have you being marketed you know, to their fan base. So mark this down on the calendar, something that, that we both agree on. You know, there's more and more conversation, I guess you could call it debates, being had um it seems like there are a number of players albeit it doesn't seem like you know teams from the power five schools but i would say division one level that are gathering more and more almost unionizing right have you heard those stories where seems like they're trying to kind of create 
what would be considered the beginning of a of a union, a players' union? Oh, absolutely. I've several conferences have had players. You know, the Pac-12 did, mm-hmm. and I know some individuals have done so as well. Oh, and I think a couple of different conferences, in addition to the Pac-12, have written letters listing demands um, for this upcoming season, whether it is strictly COVID-related demands or they're starting to, like you said, unionize mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, that's a slippery slope to me. I, 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 I don't think, well, you know, they should be publicly pushing for mm-hmm. things or demanding things publicly. If they want to go through channels, through the schools or through the conferences, but to publicly make demands I, when you're a scholarship athlete, you know, it's not a, it's not a right to be a scholarship athlete or, you know, a college athlete, it's a privilege. And, and if you don't like what's going on, you know, no one's forcing you to be there. That's right. Thank you for that. And contrary to what you tried to say a few minutes ago that, that didn't go over my head, while there may not be an NCAA record with a statistic with my name next to it, I, I don't think that it's any secret that I indeed was a college athlete, uh, did not did not book, like I said, any statistics, but I do know and understand the grind. Um, and it's funny you just mentioned scholarship athletes. Um, there's one of us on this line that know a little bit about that. And you're right, the demands, particularly on these Division One higher level athletes, the number of hours uh, that they dedicate outside the classroom voluntarily in addition to the, what is it, is it 20 hours per week? Yeah, I think it's 20 hours of practice. They're allowed, yep. Or 20 hours they're allowed to be with the coaches yep. a week, I think it is. Yep, and games and travel and, and all those things, certainly. But you know, there are a large number of other students that, that are there to get the same yeah, same education and same experience who are going to either graduate with, with an awful lot of, of college debt or their parents have, have worked hard to, to pay that tuition. Uh, so again, I, I take this, the perspective that if you're looking at any of these average large division one programs, what's an athletic scholarship valued at? Well, depending on the school, um, some, you know, and the fact that they're mostly out of years, state. For four years, it's easily $200,000 right. or more. Yep, yep. That's my guess is that, you know, and most of these kids are from out of state, right? So, you know, in terms of out of state, in-state tuition, you know, what that actually translates into. So I think it's definitely fair to estimate that it's between, easily between forty and $50,000 of value, right? At least a That's year, right. at least. That's yeah. right. Yeah, yep. Yeah. So their arguments are, we'll look at what we're doing for this, but you're, you're getting something in return that that is real. It's, it's, it's a value. You would have ordin you would have ordinarily paid that 40 to 50,000 that year. Or you've taken on that debt. Okay. Additionally, you're getting something that $200,000 is going to buy you in the future. And that is opportunity, right? You're receiving an education, that's going to prepare you for your career, wherever, wherever you may end up, but you know, it's going to continue to pay dividends 
uh, you know, in the future for the rest of your life, wherever you may go. You know, let's let's call it a Penn State. You get a Penn Penn State degree. Uh, you played football. You played any sport there. You got a full ride that is worth two hundred thousand dollars. But then also you've got a degree from Penn State uh, in whatever area, uh, turf management, even if you will. I think we know someone that uh, <laughs> uh, went to school for turf management, and you yeah. know that 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 opens doors and provides you with an opportunity for income you know, higher than that of someone else that graduated from another school or didn't go to college. So, you know, the, to me, I think, I think in that way, they actually are being paid and being paid very well. You know, I haven't even gotten into the discussion relating to stipends, right? You know, daily stipends or food vouchers when they're traveling out of town. You know, I, I'm just guessing, but you know, it could be a couple hundred dollars. That you yeah, per, diem, per diems per on diems. the road, yep. right? And 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 then they have, and all these student athletes have tutors. Mm-hmm. They've uh, assigned you know, many, multiple tutors uh, available to them, free of free of charge, you know, for free. Uh, which the average student, yep. you know, generally, I think you have to you have to pay for. I would never, I never needed a tutor in college, but if I did, I guess I probably would have had to pay for it back in those days. Uh, I guess you, well, you were in college long enough to have a tutor, I guess, but, but um, it's, you know, that's another thing. The tutors cost money because it's, it's a job for the tutors and it's, you know, the money, the food, you know, these athletes, you know, they're fed, you know, and, and, you know, some of them have have special diets. That's a lot of money over the course Mm of, you know, every day, day and week. So it's, they're definitely paid and not in maybe the traditional cash sense. Mm-hmm. Now, and while they you know certainly work for it, it's not, they're getting paid, they're being compensated in a manner of speaking for, for their hard work that they put in, in the, on their fields and in the film room and the training yep. and lifting, all the things they do. Yep. That's right. So just, yeah, that, that seems to be, that actually seems to be an area that's, uh, gaining a little more traction and I'm interested to see interested to see how that plays out. Now, along the same lines of uh Notre Dame versus Penn State, you know, another area of division that we're dealing with right now is uh the Big Ten's not going to be playing football this year. Right? Apparently that is correct. That's right. COVID. COVID has impacted college college sports you know above and beyond just well it's it's a it's a global issue um i'm i may not frequently use the word pandemic uh, i don't want to get into political issues here but just to kind of you know go back and and talk about it i mean what do we have now do we have three are three of the power fives playing yeah um as of right now due to the china virus um the Big Ten and the Pac-12 have decided not to play. While as of now, the ACC, Big 12, and SEC are planning to play, I believe. Do you think that the Big Ten should have stood their ground and, and played? Or did they make yes. the right decision? I believe they should have played. And that, and again, I, I, I'm saying that 
knowing that there still would not be a national championship, but rather at least a Big Ten championship. So even under those conditions, you still strongly believe that that they should have they should have played their conference games. I yes, I believe the decision should have been left up to each school. So what it sounds like then is that your your views are more in line with the ACC, like Notre Dame, um, and and just just have a vision of of which conference were, was more aligned with their values and and perspectives. So it sounds like it sounds like you agree with Notre Dame and and agree with the ACC and their move to to continue with their season instead of the Big Ten. Is that right? I I agree more with the values shown by players like Trevor Lawrence and Clemson and, you know, wanting to compete at the highest levels, chasing championships, not just joining a conference willy-nilly because it's easy. I'm not really sure. I'm not sure, but I feel like you just avoided that question. No, I I think I was pretty honest with my thoughts. I, I, I think Notre Dame chose a path of least resistance by joining the ACC and happen to fall into a situation, luckily, that will afford them the opportunity to play their cupcake schedule as opposed to choosing to play, like I said, in a conference that's much more geographically aligned. And instead of risking all that extra travel to all these hot spots, six, seven, eight, nine states away, and risking the health and well-being of the student-athletes as opposed to staying very close to home where you can control, you know, your, your environment. That's, that's would have been a much smarter and safer approach to things. Did you see the movie Rudy? I have seen the movie Rudy. In theaters or at home? Well, the movie came out like 20 years ago, so I couldn't tell you if I saw it in a theater or not, but I've seen it at home. So it's fair to say that you spent money to, to watch that movie one way or another. I would say it was probably, if I saw it in a theater, it would have been like in the West Shore Theater. It was like a dollar. <laughs> the um, critically acclaimed... I, I've seen it on television. Critically acclaimed. It's still airing on television, even as we speak. It will continue to be you know, a feel-good movie for for everyone, whether you're a sports fan or not. Have there been any Penn State movies? Yes. There there have been? Hey, yes, there has been. Again, I enjoy correcting you. Um, well, just, share, just, share. To backtrack a moment, you know, just, just one quick statement. Rudy was offsides. <laughs> um, and but now moving forward, uh, there was a movie made about John Capaletti, yep. Penn State's Heisman Trophy winner, um, about his brother, his sick brother, and they made a movie about that. So, yes, there was a movie about Penn State. Now, was that... Sorry to correct you again. Was that a film, or was it more of a, you know, for TV? It was was made in the 70s, so it was a film, it was a movie. It was indeed a movie? I I mean, I'm familiar with it, I've never watched it, but but, uh, I don't think it's on the same level as 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 a Hollywood premiered multiple weeks number one... Uh, I can't even count the number of millions of dollars that it generate almost as big as Titanic 
uh, of our time. Uh, yes, you're right. You're right. Yes, you're right. It's, the levels are entirely different because the Capaletti movie is true and factual, whereas the Rudy movie is 75% fabrication, which is probably why you like it, because you are a fabricator and BSer at heart. <laughs> Well, I don't want to. I don't want to split hairs and get into what parts of that are are factual versus maybe Hollywood taking liberties with with details and and making it a little more dramatic. But I think it's pretty fair to say that that Rudy uh, ranks right up there with even movies like Hoosiers. I mean, when you think about when you think about the top sports movies of all time, I mean, those two rank right up there. And and look, they're they're from Indiana. They're from Indiana. Yeah. Uh, Hoosiers, uh, Hoosiers is a great movie. It's, I mean, one of the, my favorites. We love it. I watch it all the time. But again, the comparisons to me aren't real valid. Like, just for example, like the, I guess you could say the lead character and one of the lead characters of Hoosiers was, you know, Jimmy Chickwood, right? Mm-hmm. That's right. Was did Jimmy Chickwood ever serve time in jail? I don't know that. I I don't know no. his history. Hey, no. Yeah, he he did not. I I know that. But but for some reason, I'm thinking of this fabled mythical hero Rudy of yours. He didn't even have to serve time in prison. I can I cannot confirm that. However, however, I will say that. I am very familiar with the fact that he unfortunately got tied up with some some bad actors and people that took advantage of him and his notoriety and yeah he probably should have should have seen some warning signs and and been a little more aware but he owned his mistakes he paid for his mistakes and he's turned things around and is continuing to spread nothing but but cheer and joy and and okay. uh, hope so, for the world. Okay, that's cool. That's fine. You know, just 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 so I'm just so I understand and I'm clear. You're celebrating a movie about a com- convicted felon, and well, where I am not so inclined to support that sort of activity, and that just a kind of indicative of your character, is it not? <laughs> Well, I'm not here to, I I don't know his record. I don't know what he was convicted of or not. I I think it was more along the lines of, of SEC violations and not SEC athletic conference, but the securities and exchange commission. Um, But I'm not, I'm not here to, to cast judgment or make claims. Ladies and gentlemen, by the way, the views and words of Chris Hauser do not reflect the views and and words and position of Borderline Offensive or its handsome host. I just want to put that disclaimer out there. I don't want Rudy to come back and and sue me or this show and you know take away everything that I've worked so hard to to put together over these last four <laughs> weeks. <laughs> Nice, nice uh, tiptoe around that uh, Schumer. <laughs> oh, I, I have no idea what you're talking about, but I, I point point taken, point taken. So you you are father of two high school age boys, right? Who Correct. play they play sports. I, I believe they both play basketball. Maybe 
One of them still plays baseball. I don't know if he's playing in school whenever things open back up. But how has all this COVID stuff affected? Are you still coaching too? Are you coaching basketball? For the yes, yes. I, I, I am the middle school coach for Cedar Cliff. Um, and you know, my boys, Tyler, my older son, Tyler, he's a junior, about to be a junior. Uh, and Justin, my younger, is going to be a freshman. Tyler plays basketball, um, basketball only. Justin plays baseball and basketball both. Um, they certainly have had significant adjustments due to the whole COVID situation. The China virus has put a damper on Tyler's basketball season in particular because as a rising junior, this is a big part of the time for recruiting purposes and college coaches can't be out seeing players play so it's been definitely been difficult you know for the not only Tyler but all the kids who are juniors who are looking to play college basketball and Mm -hmm. college coaches can't see them play so they've had to get creative Mm -hmm. finding ways to be evaluated as much as you can right now did you say I'm not sure if you mentioned this but did you say that there are still showcases being put together? Games? Yes, there are still AAU tournaments being held, um, but with very strict attendance mm-hmm. requirements, and college coaches are not allowed to recruit yet. And it's, that's called a dead period, and that's extended through the end of September now, I believe, and it'll probably be extended again. And... Uh, it's you know it's challenging and so the kids are playing and and you know much as they can and try to try and to you know improve themselves and prove themselves but at the same time it's it's a double-edged sword because they can't be evaluated by the, you know the, the colleges that they hope to attract mm-hmm. i can't imagine you know being a a recruited athlete myself as we've established earlier you know, look, there's a lot, there's a lot of bad going on. There are a lot of challenges, people's jobs and, and hell other things, of course. But, you know, when when you really kind of stop and think about it, I I think that some of our younger kids are, are, I don't want to say being overlooked, but, you know, I remember that time. I remember working hard and wanting, having goals and wanting to play at the next level and, you know, getting letters and interest. And like I said, you know, being a recruited athlete, unlike some people that you and I know fairly well, uh, even some guys our age that used to record games uh, that we were friends with that never quite yeah. made it on the playing field, but did their part up in the video room, right? Uh, sure. I mean, those, you know, I mean, it's a tough world out there. And, you know, and not all kids who, try to play high school sports or join a team at least at the high school level are good enough to be recruited or, you know, be to receive a single recruiting letter. But, but, you know, it doesn't take away from the experience of playing and, you know, and, you know, even like you mentioned videographers, and, you know, they're, they're important to the process also because how else would the recruited athletes get noticed without That's right. those kids who couldn't play themselves. So they, they would record games um, and help out, in that process and take kind of live vicariously through the yep. recruited athletes. Yep. That's right. That's right. So it's gotta be tough. I mean, how are their spirits right now? Your, your um, kids when it comes to that, you know, the, they've adapted again, it's been five months now, so they've adapted and, 
and it gets it does get monotonous for the kids because you know if you're intent on being you know an athlete good athlete you got to work day in day out and it gets monotonous because there's not as much you know the light at the end of the tunnel is pretty far away because there's no end in sight to the Mm -hmm. to the to the um lockdowns and Mm -hmm. the dead periods so it's definitely teaching kids about the grind like you mentioned you know the daily grind the Mm -hmm. daily work that has to go in because you know, you know, it gets you know, as anyone who does something day in day out, it gets monotonous. It gets difficult, and yeah. you, you have to learn mentally to fight through and battle, and not you know give in to uh, again, you know, and that sort of thing. So it's tough. But you know, my two are our boys are working hard and putting time in and. I think good time in and they're learning about what it takes to be self-sufficient and self-motivated. Definitely a lesson there during these times is if, if you're not, if you're not motivated, uh, you know, if you're lazy, like I, I tended to be at that age and probably even now at this age, you're just not going to be able to keep up with the, with the players and the, the classmates like them that are out there putting the time in on their own. Right. Right. Yeah. So there's always somebody out there working. So you have to motivate yourself to realize that there's somebody out there somewhere who's putting their time in right now, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, you know, it's, you have to remind yourself or these kids to get off the phone or get off the computer or Xbox or whatever and get out and and push yourself. And it's lucky lucky for us here in, in this area, you know, at Cedar Cliff, we have high school coaches who are pretty active in getting their kids or, you know, their program kids doing things. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's, it's been as, about as good as you can make it considering, you know, the China virus problems we're having. That's right. So, yeah, I noticed that earlier. You said, now are you talking about the coronavirus? Yes. Yes. The, the uh, oh. COVID-19, oh, I guess yeah. some people okay. call it. Oh, but, but yeah, there's different names for it. I gotcha. Just, yeah, I'll, I'll, I choose to use the original name. Gotcha. I see. I th- I thought I was following along. All right. Well, yeah. So so any anything else? Any parting words? Anything you'd like to to share with my vast audience? This has been quite the experience. Uh, I feel like this could have gone about three hours longer because there's a lot more topics we could have easily touched on. Uh, you know, you know, we could have educated masses on some of the phraseologies that we've kind of coined over the years. You know, like we know a guy who gets hubered a lot, for example, and most people wouldn't know what that means. But so maybe another time we can get in, delve into some of our more, I think, more uh, off-color conversations. I think the right person or people are going to hear that. Okay, and and maybe that person who gets Hubert, for example, may even hear that and, and lament his, I don't know, his weak ways. He does a lot of running, doesn't he? Yeah. You, you He's would a think he doesn't for, have the a runner's running, build. <laughs> for the amount of running that that person does, you would think they'd be thinner. <laughs> yes. Yes. Kind of like I tell people that I have a swimmer's build. <laughs> whale whales are swimmers are they not 
that is true. Okay. That is true. Okay, there you go. So I don't know why we have to, you know, when we hear swimmers build, we have to automatically think Michael Phelps or any of those other guys. But, uh, yeah. But you're yeah, right. Or Mark, or Mark Spitz. That's right. your mother did know. Who That's Granny right. did know. That's right. That's right. I'm, I'm still shocked that, that Bull was able to get four out of five in that in that uh, quiz. Uh, correct. But I guess he knows Granny. If there's one I'm, thing he knows, I'm it's surprised the too because I know how he performed at Bloomsburg, and he never got four out of five right on anything there. <laughs> and did you hear? You know, I know we kind of we tiptoed around this and and made reference to to named and unnamed people, but did you hear? Are you familiar with the with the friend of ours who i mentioned jumped through a plate glass window on leonard street i am aware in fact i was there when it occurred and he and he claimed that he was pushed i was literally standing right behind that person when this occurred and this person let's just call him i don't know toro he yelled Look out. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But it was more like, look out. Yeah, okay, yeah. And then dove out the window. Head first. Head first. Straight there was no down. push involved. Nope. There was no egging him on or coaxing him to do so. It was He just did it on his own volition. It's a it's a good thing that, that it was a first floor window, right? It was a first floor window. So think- the drop out the window was probably four or five feet. Do you think at that moment he actually stopped the process where he was? I mean, could it very well not have happened if we were, they were all on the second floor? I have, I have to assume that if this situation was one floor up, that he would not have done that. (laughs) But then again, this person is not known for their Einstein like qualities. So, you never know, but I'm going to operate on the assumption that this was, while it was not premeditated, he would have had second thoughts. He was processing was one it. floor up. He was processing it. Yeah. And he wasn't the most agile or athletic of, of, of people as well. So, you know, to, I mean, so much can happen with going through that glass and the landing. And I mean, it's yeah, just... he would have had he would have had to go into some sort of tuck role, yeah. I would think. Yep. And that generally would require some measure of athletic ability, which we both know he didn't have. So maybe he landed like a stuck pig and just got lucky. I don't know. <laughs> it's a good thing he didn't carry over into the neighbor's yards yard. True. That's true. If, if he would have carried over, yep. and Lord knows what would have happened. Yep. I mean, his, we may have had to locate this guy's mother and have her go find him. And... <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, nonetheless, uh, I, I think we, I think we've established that that is yet another story of, of his, uh, I need to vet my guests a little bit better. Wouldn't you say? Absolutely. Yeah. One hundred percent. I think I'm going to need to do a better job of that. All right. So, any parting words for for me for the for the audience? You know, before we wrap up. 
Well, you know, I, I'm just glad I was, had the opportunity here to set you straight publicly in so many ways because whether you like to admit it or, or not, you know, you are frequently wrong. <laughs> and I enjoy I enjoy pointing those things out. And just like I enjoyed pointing out how your lovely wife, Cindy, Thank you. I am a confidant for her. Thank you. In terms of, um, you know, her daily, day-to-day life, she asks me for advice time and again, and I help her. So, I, I, I which in turn helps you, which which makes me a good friend, I guess. I appreciate you reminding me. I almost forgot about that. And uh, the only reason I think there could be a, a shred of truth is uh, she mentioned the other day something about this new recipe called steak bites. And I, to my knowledge, I've only heard that one other place, and that's you. So I may actually have to take her up on that with these little mini steak pieces of gristle and fat that most people would feed to their, not even feed to their dogs well, or their animals. True, but some people were raised, like I was by my grandmother, we affectionately called Grud, uh, waste not, want not. Mm-hmm. So some people abide by that old school. That's true. Um, uh, methodology That's and, true. and 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 choose to make use of all resources available. I I totally understand and and agree. Well, you know, I would not like to waste food that someone else could could benefit from. There's a lot of starving and hungry people out there. So is that your way of telling me right now that you're really hungry and you want to stop? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's not. Oh, okay. No, okay. no, no, that's not what I'm saying at all. All right. Well, hey, make sure you uh, give your 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 beautiful wife a a hug and a kiss for me as well. Um, you know, we are every bit as close as you claim to be uh, with my wife. We exchange text messages. Some you're involved in, others you're not. Like I say, she looks she looks to me as uh, confidant, you know, when it comes to some things, including your cooking. Cause you know, I know that you do a lot of, well, you clean and do the dishes. And I, I think there was an article or, uh, wasn't there a newscast? Uh, yes. Yes. News? She was named like the Pennsylvania woman of technology of the year yeah. a couple of years ago. We had a big, she had a big ceremony at this vineyard in Harrisburg. They had sweet wine there. It was, she liked that a lot. Um, but at any rate, yeah, she was she was honored, and it was it was um, a good night for her. Yeah, she was honored. It was yeah. cool. So I mean, I know you do a lot of the you know preparing of dinners and cleaning and house that article you, you had or that interview you had mentioned. You know uh, the role reversal. Hey, it's 2020, right? Whether you're a man or woman, you know the roles from old being old school uh, doesn't mean that. You know, a woman has to stay home and take care of kids first while the husband goes out. I think it's pretty cool that you, you've switched roles and that she's the breadwinner and and you stay home and take care of the kids. Yeah, it's great. The retired life has been great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's so much more we could talk about, actually, but uh, maybe we'll save that for another episode and another time. Uh, we might even be able to engage a few of these named and unnamed so-called friends of ours in the future and clear up some of these stories or truths or mistruths. But uh, I think that's going to do it for today as I play in my Rocky music. 
I don't think my audience disagrees with me when uh, I say today I played the role of Drago and you played the role of Apollo Creed. This was a pretty lopsided <laughs> victory and on all accounts, if you ask me and ask my fans. That's fake news. <laughs> all right. Well, <clears throat> I would like to, to thank, I guess, our special guest, Chris Hauser former Cedar Cliff High School athlete, Susquehanna University. I got to give him his props. I think you're a two-time Hall of Famer. Is that right? High school and college? Yes. All right. That's correct. I'll give you those props. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I think that's going to do it for episode number four of Borderline Offensive. Again, I'm sorry to have wasted so much of your time with uh, this guest. I'll just close with the real we are. (laughs) The real we are? Yes, the only school that can say we are. And I'm going to agree with that and say we are done with this interview. We'll see you next time on Borderline Offensive.